100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Clint Campbell, host of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. We discuss the importance of challenging yourself, consistent skills to work on, what's worked and hasn't worked in the mobile hunting gear world for whitetail hunting for us, and much more. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday Story of the Week, it was about 9.30 in the morning when Colton Hug of Ohio decided to stick to his promise and stay till noon. About 11.45 rolled around and I was dozing off in my saddle and I heard a crunch behind me. I glanced back and those yearlings were back. I told myself that was good news last time since they kind of brought that big buck to me. I finally started to have a gut feeling that something would happen that day and convinced myself to stay in that tree and not leave or go to a different spot. Hours went by and by and about five o'clock I was losing my mind and decided to mess around with a new extinguisher call I got. I let out a few grunts and doe noise but in all honesty I had no clue what I was doing. I texted my buddy and told him I'm about done but have about an hour of shooting light left, so anything could happen. 15 minutes roll by, and I hit a doe grunt, and in about five minutes, I hear a big buck hitting a tree to my back left. I quickly glanced through the thicket and saw his antlers, but didn't see how big he was, nor did I really care. Eventually, he came into the shooting lane, slightly quartering towards me, and I met him, and he stopped and looked at me. I buried my pin almost under him, and let the arrow fly heard a loud crack and thought that i had missed him and hit a tree behind him i was devastated 30 seconds went by and i heard a loud crash on the back side of the ridge and at that point i knew that i'd got him i climbed down to see if i could find my arrow to check blood i started tracking as the blood got more and more aggressive and about 30 yards later i found my buck expired I probably called every one of my contact lists out of excitement. Service wasn't the greatest. I tried to FaceTime everyone. I got him field dressed and convinced I could drag him out of there. The only problem is the backside of the hill was extremely steep and slippery, and there was no way I could pull him up. The next best thing was to drag him through the thick grass around the hill back to the main road. It was now completely dark. I called my wife and asked her to come help. I continued to pull for about three quarters of a mile until I was completely depleted. And I returned to the main road to meet my wife and father-in-law. I got him in my daughter's sled and started the excruciating pull of 3.9 miles back to the pickup with my wife. We were beaten, but I would not change anything to experience that drag out with my wife again. So first of all, congratulations, Colton. That's an absolute stud of an Ohio mountain buck. And also, I just want to note that this story was much longer, and, and Colton's a very good writer and, and good at storytelling, uh, but just had to shorten it up for, for this podcast here, But in, and mostly because it wouldn't fit on social media in uh, as far as how long it was, was able to be. But anyways, uh, just awesome story, and you know, going from... From uh, you know going out on and hunting a new area on public land after being in the military and doing all these things like, congratulations, Colton. That's just a awesome story and love love hearing these stories. So definitely send your mountain buck success story in if you want it to be shared on the podcast. Just send it to bodiesmeetswesthunt.com. Uh, just a paragraph or two and some photos. Would love to hear about it and be able to share it. 
Uh, the only news I have this week is that I will be at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg this weekend. I believe it's February 4th through the 6th at the Maven Optics booth on Saturday and Sunday. So I'll be working the booth there. Come by, talk about some optics. If you want to get your hands on them and see them and uh, look through everything. I mean, we'll have everything there, rifle scopes. All of the stuff, we'll have it there. And then uh, on Monday, I will be over at the Go Wild booth, which I believe is in the Archery Hall. I'll have to look that up for sure, but I believe it's in the Archery Hall. I'll be hanging out there, uh, probably doing some podcasts and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm excited to uh, to go to the Great American Outdoor Show. And if you're there, definitely stop by and say hello. With that being said, uh, let's jump into this podcast here with Clint Campbell. Holy cow, it's been a long time, Clint. How you been? Oh, man, I've been good, dude. It has been a long time. It's like, I mean, we text uh, every so often and stay in touch and, you know, or we'll uh, send each other funny messages on Instagram or, or whatever it is. But man, we haven't seen, I haven't seen that beautiful mustache in some time, dude. I know, I know. <laughs> so cl- welcome Clint Campbell of Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast back to the podcast here. It's funny. I actually, I thought about it. Not that I don't think about you often, so just... I, I do think about you all the time. We do talk on a, a decently regular basis, but someone had uh, sent me a message or commented or something said like, you need to link up with Clint again. I always enjoy your guys' conversations. And I was like, you know what? I do need to catch up with Clint. So yeah, I forget what it was. Cause I saw that it was a, uh, someone commented on something on Instagram or something like that. I think, and you and I were going back and forth. Like, I think yeah. we were doing our usual you know, uh, our usual jabs back and forth at each other. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, that person was like, we need another bow and Clint podcast. So I'm glad we could finally, finally make it happen. I know it's, yeah, we, uh, we We made somebody, we made somebody's day. There's a lot of people out there going like, Oh my God, another one of these, (laughs) but that one guy, he's super into it. (laughs) Yeah. That's all that matters. And, and it's funny because like, even if you and I go, five, six months without talking at times. It's like, as soon as we start, it just goes right back to talking shit. And then, uh, that's just kind of how, how it works with buddies, uh, to pick up right where you left off. Those are my favorite kind of buddies, man. I always say <laughs> like the way, the way you like, not that my buddy list is like any, uh, prestigious list that you should, as- that people should aspire <laughs> to be on. But, you know, I, I always say, you know, and this was, this, and this is a true story. Like when I got older, it was like right after I had my daughter, you know, I kind of went through whether I was consciously doing it or not. I was like, all right, who in who in my life or my buddies list like makes my life better, right? And easier. And who in my list makes my life harder? Because we all have that have had those friends in our life that were it's like, he's a buddy of mine, but man, that dude like always complaining, you know what I mean? Like always want me to go do this. And then if I don't want to do it, like I hear like a bunch of crap about it for six months, like like I'm his girlfriend or something like that. You yep. know what I mean? And I'm like all right, that guy's cool. That guy's cool. That guy's cool. This guy, not so much, you know what I mean? And I literally had to have that conversation. It was super awkward. And, uh, this person was like, invite me to go do all this stuff. And I just had a baby and I just, you know, was busy, you know, family stuff. And he finally just like asked me at one point and he doesn't even live in this state, but he's from another state. Um, and this is like, my daughter's 14 now. So this is like 14, 15 years ago. And, uh, he was kept inviting me to go do stuff. He's like, man, I feel like you don't want to hang out anymore. And like, you know, what's up with that and whatever. And I was like, you know what, dude, I was like, I love you, bro. I hope things are good for you. I want nothing but the best for you. I was like, but we just shouldn't hang out anymore. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, this is just too much to manage. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time to like manage this relationship. And that was it. <laughs> we see each other from time to time now and we're cool, but it was just like, yep, I'm out, you know, but to your point, 
picking up where you left off. All my buddies, that's how we are now. Yeah, no, and, and I think it is important that you only have so much time in the day. And as you kind of go through life and things change, I mean, people change, and that's not always a bad thing. I've kind of come to learn that sometimes people uh, are, um, how do I want to put this? They're, they're important pieces of your life and you're important pieces of theirs for a period of time. And then things move on and things change. And that's just the way that it is. That's the whole deal of getting older, man. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's not that those people aren't, aren't significant. It's just that they were significant at, at, you know, and you were to them likely as well at that, at a moment. Right. And doesn't mean they weren't that they're any less important to my overall life now because they played a really important role for five, 10, however many years as it was, you know what I mean? It's just now it's like, you know, in that case with that, uh, that particular friend, like we're still friends. We still talk when we see each other, when I go visit, you know, uh, there that, that he lives in and stuff. And, um, and we pick up and it's, and it's all good. And we'll hang out for a couple hours and that's it. And I might not see him for five or six years, you know, after, after that, you know, um, but, you know, he still played a really important role during that period of time. Like, I can't tell the st- any stories of like a six-year or seven-year period of my life during that time frame, you know what I mean, without him being in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, like, we got in a lot of trouble together. You know what I mean? Like, we'll put it, th- we'll put it that way, you know? Yep, I've I've had those friends as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I can, that I can remember. And yeah, life just kind of takes you in different directions. And, and right. uh, that doesn't mean one person's better than the other or anything. It's just goes in different paths and that's the way it is we're probably both but, better for it to be honest <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, he's better I'm, off that i'm away and i'm better off that he's away you know was, there was a lot of stupidity that going on when we were together <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe maybe uh i don't know maybe you and i should you know quit talking because i maybe I we like should <laughs> i i think uh i think we could go down that that dangerous path there sometimes man if we lived closer together it would be be a lot of trouble i always tell that to uh, sylvester too i'm always like yeah. man, i wish we lived closer together we're probably better off that we don't yeah like, i i totally agree <laughs> <laughs> no but but what have you been up to clint what's uh what's new in your world oh man um a lot the same you know it's one of those things uh feels like a lot has changed but everything feels the same almost, you know what I mean? Which I think in some ways is, is, is good. You know, family's good, you know, uh, podcast is good, you know, health is good, you know, other than just being sore. And, um, the one big new thing for this past year for me was like, I just got super involved in, in jujitsu. Like that was something I always wanted to do and, uh, schedule kind of freed up, you know, the past like year and, you know, I work remotely. I took a new job. So that was kind of new, like probably almost two years ago now, and the company's out of Toronto, so I work remotely from home. You know, that's my home base, except when I have to travel for you know client meetings or whatever, uh, which isn't very often. And uh, and so it really kind of freed up my time to be able to get to the jujitsu gym and do something I've always wanted to do. You know, freed up some time also to kind of get out on some hunts. You know, in the morning or in the afternoon, I can kind of dip out a little bit early as long as all my stuff's kind of taken care of and not schedule meetings at the end of the day or in the morning. You know, so that's been um, that's been helpful. Helped a little bit in travel hunting too because I was able to work on my way to some travel destinations and stuff like that to not burn all my vacation time on the the drive there, but actually burn it while I was hunting, you know, which is, yeah. which is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the big, the big change for me this year was just really kind of adding in, um, jujitsu. It's something I'm super passionate about and it's been really good, not just from like a physical standpoint, but, um, you always hear people talk about like the other benefits they get from it, whether it's, you know, emotional, mental, like all those things. And, you know, I'm somewhat of a skeptic when it comes to that stuff, you know, um, to a degree, you know, but it 
definitely is one of those things where if you let it and you embrace it, it has applications to like so many different areas of your life. And it's just such a good sport just physically, but like the, it will teach you humility and gratitude and all those things that you should kind of have at the forefront of everything. And that you often lose in most other endeavors, you know, and in the type of people you're around in the jujitsu gym too, are all very like-minded. And so it kind of helps reinforce that you really can't ever get out of line. Cause when you do someone, you get checked whether you want to or not, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, you're going to roll up against someone and roll with somebody and it's like, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. And then you get checked real hard by a person you outweigh by 40 pounds, you know what I mean? You know, and, and it's a girl, you know, and she just choked you out and you're like, well, shit, you need to kind of relook at things here. <laughs> like I'm feeling a little different than it was 20 minutes ago, you know? Um, so that's, so that's basically what's been new. And that's the thing that's really been kind of, you know, I've been dedicating a lot of time to. Yeah. It's one thing to get checked when like you're out of line, you know, by someone, by just verbally, it's another mm-hmm. thing when you're physically checked like that. Yeah. Cause you, you, you feel that even more in my, in my opinion, cause it's a, you know, a physical endeavor. And I know that you, you know, you were, you wrestled in, mm-hmm. in the past and your younger years and everything. So it kind of seemed like a, a pretty, uh, uh, um, I guess a transition that made sense. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I wrestled all growing up and I would wrestle in some like open freestyle tournaments in the off season and stuff like that. Um, so I had a like grappling background and, and it helps in some ways, you know, like it's funny cause you know, guys would always say when I first started, it's like, Oh, you, I can tell you wrestled. Like there's a certain feel that a wrestler has like when they hit a jujitsu mat and, and, as I'm talking, people that are listening, it's like, I'm still, you know, a dirty, I refer to myself as just like a dirty white belt. I've got a couple stripes, but you know, I know about a, a thimble full of like what jujitsu entails, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but just from my experience, like, you know, the people can always tell, and I never really understood that until like, I finally been doing it for almost a year now and, um, latched a hold of somebody who immediately, as soon as we locked horns, if you will, I knew he wrestled. I was like, all right, this guy has wrestled in the past. So now all of a sudden my brain, and he was also like 20 years younger than me, you know what I mean? So I'm also yeah. thinking, all right, I got to figure out how I'm going to play my game here because like he's going to try to brute strength me and he's 20 years my junior, you know what I mean? And he's a little <laughs> bit, and he's a little bit bigger than me, you know what I mean? So he probably had about like 20 pounds on me and I was like, all right, so I'm going to have to just be careful what I do with him, you know, because there's a chance I could get hurt, you know what I mean? Just by yeah. doing something stupid, you know what I mean? And so played it cool. And, you know, I, I did what I needed to do. We'll, we'll just say that. Cause you know, I came out in, in, in advantage and advantageous positions, shall we say. That's how, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. No, that's, that's funny. And, and, you know, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, but you know, it's, it's important, like, especially when you're so into something like hunting and, you know, you put all your effort into it and do that. It's, it's sometimes fun to have something different that's a different outlet, uh, to, to put forth effort into and put and try something different at times. And I think, I think that's really cool that, that you're, you know, you're doing that. And cause you know, I, I know for myself, I, I'm looking at like trying to find some other avenues and different things and hobbies, because what, what I've done is, you know, turned kind of my hobby and, and you and in, in your own sense too, has turned like a hobby into a, a job per se too. So mm-hmm. it's like my whole life is around that thing. And it's like trying to find a different outlet where, you know, a lot of people, they have their job and their family and hunting is that outlet. Well, it's a, it's a little bit reversed. Um, for someone like myself and then, and even like with you having doing the podcast and everything else that you do on the, the hunting space from a professional level. And then also, you know, 
being your hobby. This is something else that's completely different that can kind of free your mind a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for me this year was, was a, was an interesting kind of weird year. Cause you know, I, w- I went out West and did the Idaho thing and, and I was looking back and, and, and what it really helped me with this year was that, you know, I didn't get out as much as I w- would typically get out in a given year because I really, when I started doing jujitsu, I was like, I'm only going to do this if I can dedicate and reap the benefits of it beyond the physical aspect of it. Right. Like I really wanted to try to give myself to it and put the time in and enjoy the journey. Right. It's very much like bow hunting in that way. It's very much a journey. There's not necessarily an end goal or a destination. Like, yeah, you want to fill your tag or whatever. And yeah, you know, you want to get the next belt or the next stripe, like, you know, in the back of your mind, but you know, it forces you more so to focus on the journey because there's so many like stepping stones and, you know, and, and failures that are kind of along the way that, 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 that humble you. And so this year I wasn't in the woods nearly as much as I had been in the past, just because I was, you know, going to jujitsu three, four evenings a week, you know what I mean? And like, even if I could hunt a morning, I'd wake up the next morning after being at the gym till nine, nine thirty, you know, get my ass kicked for two hours and waking up and going like, man, my leg doesn't want to move today. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it's just, it was just things like that. And it was just good. It was good for me mentally just to kind of give myself to something else for a little bit, because whenever I did get the time to hunt, like you could probably appreciate this. There were times where I would go out to hunt where I would just feel this like immense sense of pressure. Not that anybody else was putting on me, but I was putting on myself because maybe I had a deer that I was chasing this year. The the opposite was true to where I had nothing that I knew of local to me to chase. So everything that I wanted to chase was a couple hours away in that uh, North Big Woods piece that I wanted to get to, but I couldn't get to it like after work or whatever. And so yeah. I'm just kind of like waiting, waiting, waiting. Then, oh shit, man, like the one weekend I can go or the, the two days I have to go, like the weather's completely wrong and the wind's completely wrong for where I want to be, you know? And so I was really kind of stressing because I didn't have anything locally that I really wanted to chase that I felt good about, um, you know, of any maturity or whatever. And so I spent more time like scouting and walking and, and things like that versus, versus hunting. And if it weren't for like having jujitsu to kind of have something else to do that I was like focusing my energies on and like trying to find success and trying to find like moments of success or whatever, I probably would have driven myself crazy, yeah. you know? Um, but I would just be like, you know what? The wind's wrong today. Weather sucks. Dude, I'm going to go, go to jujitsu today. You know what I mean? Like, so I just was like, oh, screw it. Like, it's not, it's not worth me going out today. I'm better off spending my time at jujitsu, you know? And so it was nice to have that, but then there's also these tie-ins too, man, that, that I, you start to find from hunting. Like, you know, when you, when guys get good at jujitsu and I'm not there, but I watch them and I can see, and I'll talk to guys that are good at it and about how their techniques and what they're doing. Like they lay traps, they set mouse traps. They're thinking five moves ahead, just like you would when you're whitetail hunting, where it's like, I know this deer's bedded here, but the wind isn't right here. He's going to have to pass through this and there's a pinch here. And so I need to set up here. And so you're planning five moves ahead of that deer mm-hmm. to try to get in front of him, you know, whatever the case is. And that's just like one example. Jiu-jitsu is very much the same way where it's very much a strategic kind of 3D chess game that you're playing. When you get good at it, I'm not there. I'm still in the, oh shit, what just happened face. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a white belt is essentially like the guy, a yeah, two-stripe white belt is like a guy that like, has bow hunted for like a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like where I'm at in my jujitsu journey. Right. But there's like, there's that through line that I see it. But the biggest one is, is that, you know, and I know you and I've talked about this in the past. It's like, and I'm sure you answered this the same way. It's like when guys ask, like, you know, if they're newer hunters and they're like, Hey man, you know, I want to get better. And I'm just, you know, making a very simple question, but like the, the gestalt of the question is, Hey, 
I want to get better at bow hunting. How do I do that? Like my simple answer is love scouting, like hunting, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's the way to do it. Right. And the same thing is in jujitsu. It's like, how do you get better at jujitsu? You just keep showing up and enjoy the journey. Right. It's like, and, and then appreciate it when you get a promotion, but that's not really the, the goal. The goal is just enjoying the journey. Right. And so it's very much the same. It's a very much a, a very similar mindset. Like you, you walk into like the, the gym every day with like, I'm going to work on this today. I'm going to try to get better at this. Just like you would walk into a hunt going like, I think this is the plan, but if something kind of changes, I'm going to, I'm going to adapt. Cause I might have this idea of I'm going to work on this in the gym tonight, but in a live role, I might not get that opportunity. So I got to adapt and start playing the game that someone else is, is forcing me to play. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and it just and it just makes you sharper because now you start to see things that you wouldn't otherwise see. It makes you experience things that you wouldn't otherwise experience. It's the same thing when you make yourself uncomfortable when you're going on a hunt. I'm going to go to this new state, like me going to Kansas, where it's like hunting open country, which has been hard for me. But I do it because I want to get better at it. And so it's like and it's opened my eyes to other things and other opportunities around me locally that I may or may or may not have seen in the past. Yeah, no, and I think I think a couple things there that you said I think that are really are important for people to to I guess think about and do that. You know, from I think there we you know we can obviously overcomplicate things like crazy, including myself. Like I overcomplicate just about everything I do in my life, whether it's business, hunting, all. Sometimes it's like take a step back and it's like how do people become the best at what they are able to do? And it's usually by simple things repeatedly and yeah, do hundred percent and, and, and just continue, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, say bow hunting whitetails, it's like, okay, I need to shoot my bow, you know, every mm -hmm. day, even a couple arrows, just shoot, shoot your bow, do that. Consistency. Repeatedly, keep yep. consistently doing that. Um, scouting, getting out there, doing that. And then when it comes down to the hunt, like, don't overcomplicate it, which again, so much easier said than done, but look at the conditions that are given to you. What plays or what moves do you have based off of that? Do that. And then as you do these things, you pick up on the other things as you're going through it and stuff that helps, you know, add into that formula on how you're making those decisions as you go move forward. And it's, it's really simple um, yeah. when you look at it from that perspective. And it's and like, you know, when it comes to, I'm sure jujitsu or anything else you're trying to get good at, it's doing it over and over and over and over again and building those basics up until the point and then then you start getting the more advanced things that come in and mm -hmm. some other stuff but it's like the people that do the basics even business anything else repeatedly are the ones that are, are that do well in the long run yeah anyone who's successful at anything like you know take hunting for example it's like if you broke down like andy may for example i think by and large a lot of people regard him as like if not the current kind of best right and i hate saying best yeah. right because he would say like look he's like he'd be like eddie claypool right because i know he's a, a fan of eddie's right yeah but if you take him for example as like one of the guys who just gets it done so consistently every every year on target deer and, and stuff like that like if you look at his game so to speak it's it's very foundational like and most good hunters are like and they make and then what they do is they advance and get better is they start adding nuance to that foundation the intricacies of the foundation, they better understand those. And then they start making the complicated look simple. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how they go about it. It's like their foundation is like, if you look at Andy or Dan or any of these guys, it's play the wind, right? Have a good understanding of where the deer wants to bed and where it wants to go potentially right outside, outside the rut. Right. 
understand what your changing food sources are, right? Understanding what your adjacent pressure is like in, in the neighborhood that, that you're, that you're hunting in and then understand what's kind of driving them, you know, in, in that time of year. Right. And then, you know, what they want to do relative, relative to the wind. It's like those handful of things is really what you need. Right. That's like their foundation for almost anything. Right. It'd be, yep. you know, like there's a guy I watch videos of this dude, Roger Gracie. He's like one of the best jujitsu practitioners, like, you know, ever he's from the Gracie family. Right. So they've been great. Like that dude has won world championships with stuff. You learn the first month you take jujitsu, like yeah. literally like that's his foundation. It's, it's like arm bars, triangles, collar chokes all day. You know what I mean? And did one world championships doing it. And it's because he got so good at the foundational stuff. Nobody could stop it. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Because he understood like every little detail of that found of that of that move, even though it was like the move you learned the first day, he just understood how to do it so well. And it's the same thing with hunting. It's like, man, if you understood one thing, if you just understood how to play the wind so well, you will kill a lot of deer with that with that alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think we just overcomplicate it because partially people want to sell products. So they overcomplicate things so they can create solutions for things. Right. It is, is part of it. Right. Um, but when we make it out to be much more than it is, because in our mind, we're like, well, if I, this one simple thing, is not working for me? So I need to like add on something where it's like, no, your time would be better spent to just better understand that one simple thing. But like, we don't want to spend the time of like drilling into that one thing, like drill that same thing every day, every day for a year. You know what I mean? And get great at it. It's like, no, we'd rather add 10 other things because they seem more interesting. And then we feel like we're getting better when actually, if you just did that one thing for a year, you'd be so much better at that. that it would, it would trump all the other things that you added to your tool bag that given year that, that may or may not work, or maybe situational for one time. But this one thing is of consequence on every hunt. You know what I mean? You know, no, it's funny. So the way, way you just said that, <clears throat> there's a guy that I, I follow along with and I've read his books. He's a business guy. His name's Alex Hermosi. And uh, I, I look at him like from, you know, from running a business standpoint and he always comes back to, he's like, 
he's like, if you want to, you know, he's looking at it from like, you know, a money standpoint. He's like, you know, the, the billionaires, the top people in the world financially did really good at one thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and he always says, he's like, if you can delay, um, the gratification as long as possible, he's like, if you can delay something a month, you're going to do better than someone that can delay that gratification a week. And if you Mm -hmm. can delay it a year, you know, it's better than a month and, and going forward, he's like, you can delay it a lifetime. He's like, you'll be the richest man on earth. And it's like, you look at it from that perspective and focusing on that, that one thing that you can get better at and working at it. It's just, it, it makes a lot of sense, but it's hard to do. Like think for example, oh, yeah. wor- like workout. So one of the workouts that I've done for years when it comes to hunting is box step ups with like a weighted pack on. It is so freaking boring to even go 15 minutes of stepping onto a box, stepping down, stepping on, stepping off, on, off. And you, it sucks just yeah. from the boring aspect more than anything. But that little foundation, that foundation that you're doing and repeating that over time has so much more, uh, you know, positive outcome in the end versus if you're just like doing all these different things because you think that because I'm going to do some squats and I'm going to do some deadlifts and I'm going to do it's like, no, man, that one that because that's the motion you're actually going to do when you're in the mountains. Yeah. Like that is the foundational thing that's working all the right stuff. Yeah. And it's just it's it's just like doing that. I don't know. I just I, I do feel like. And that was something that, like, in the last, I don't know, a few weeks, or I guess when this comes out, and even a month ago, like, that I really focused on was, like, reflecting on things and where, you know, what what I needed to be focusing my energy on versus a million different things that come into my mind or, you know, the flashy things that come at you. And, you know, whether that comes down to gear, whether that comes down to approach to hunting, whether it comes down to business, life, everything. It's just mm-hmm. like, how can I simplify these things and focus on the few things in those areas to, to be better at and do them consistently? Yeah. I mean, simplification for me has really kind of been the name of the game. I think this past year is just trying to simplify stuff, you know, just to kind of build off of what you said. And I have like a, a transition to hunting stuff as far as like simplification goes, but you know, you're talking about the box step. It's like, I remember, you know, I was talking to the coach at the gym and I was like, you know, what do I need to work on? You know? And, and he's, he's super cool as far as like, he's not like, we well, need to work on this, this, and this, like he, he'll just, he's so good. He can see what you need to do. And he's just like, whatever position you're least comfortable in since you're new, just always go there, go to the spot you don't want to be in. You know what I mean? Like, and get good at getting out of that and get comfortable being in that bad spot. That'll pay more dividends for you than anything else. And as a former wrestler, it's like, I always want to be on top. I hate being on my back. So literally for a month straight, every role I started, I started on my back. I was just like, I'm going to start on my back. You can either start in mount, side control, or we can start in half guard or whatever. You can try to pass my guard, but I'm going to work on getting off my back and work on guard retention for a month. And then all of a sudden, I don't feel so bad there anymore. And all of a sudden, a lot of other stuff started working for me. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I just focused attention on that one simple thing. I spent the time to just hone that, you know, and I'm not great at it still, but I started picking up. Then I started like understanding like little, not tricks, but just like more fundamental things that I could add to it that are like foundational. So, okay, you're comfortable there now. Start adding this, this will help you, you know? And so it was just stuff like that. If you focus on the simple and get really good at the simple, I mean, you go a long way, you know? But to kind of get back to hunting, it's funny you mentioned gear because I kind of took that same mindset and started going through like gear this year already. Like, you know, because my season by and large, well, definitely by the time this is out, it'll be over. But 
you know, I have some family obligations after, you know, Christmas and stuff like that. So I really kind of had a whole lot of time in late season to get out. Um, so I've already kind of switched my attention toward gear. And so every year I try to make the effort to film. And every year I, I last about three to five hunts carrying a camera. And then I like chuck it and I'm like, screw this. I'm not doing this. And it's because I just like, I've never stopped for a second and like figured out like, like, what is it that's bothering me with my setup? Like, what is it? Cause it's not like the gears that heavy. You know what I mean? It's not that it's bulky because I got like a AX53, you know, Sony like handy cam. It's 4K. It's really good. Shoots good footage. Yeah, and I've got the like same one. Yeah, it's great little camera. And then I have a, a GoPro that I put a little mic on. So I do all my VO like off my second angle camera. So I don't even bother bringing like a little shotgun or anything for the for the Sony. And then I've got a a Lone Wolf custom gear arm, which is super light. And I took one of the one of the sections out. So it's only a two section arm. So it weighs like nothing, right? And then I got like a little head that's like an old school plastic muddy head from back in the day when they made them when you put them on like a bow hanger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I figured out a way to rig it up to where I could get it to sit on my my lone wolf arm. And uh and so now it's super light. So I'm like, why don't why do every year do I like end up tossing this stuff out? It was because the way I was setting it up in the tree sucked. And I never took the time to like figure out like, well, what don't I like about it? I'd switch back and forth between using a platform um into the predator or the predator platform and I started using a ring of steps. And so the ring of steps I liked, but it was also really uncomfortable to try to film with the ring of steps as well. Like I could never get it. I could never get it set up right. And it was those two things where I was like, this is what's kind of screwing me up. Like, because I'm using like a new way that I'm set up. I haven't figured out how to get my camera kind of set up. The ring of steps works for me, but I really kind of want to go back to a platform. I just feel better on a platform. Mm -hmm. I was using the ring of steps because it was smaller. And I could just like throw it in a dump pouch off my saddle. And I was like, I need to just kind of streamline my setup and figure out how to best get all my gear into the pack that makes the most sense to where I can get in and out easily and that my setup is cleaner. And so I actually went out to a tree the other day and like dumped all my shit out and was like, all right, what doesn't need to go anymore? Like this thing's been in here for five years and I've never pulled it out. You know what I mean? Like we all got that piece of gear. Started just throwing stuff out of my pack. I was like, this is the stuff I'm going to start taking. Got into a tree set the camera up, changed like the heights around for where I felt most comfortable having the camera and was like, all right, I'm going back to the platform now because I can actually film this way. And so mm -hmm. I already started figuring out like things I'm going to update, started getting new attachment things for like my platform since I'm going back to a platform away from like, I've never found anything that I liked it other than the cam buckle. Like even with like all the quick links and Verilinks and stuff like that, like I can never get it set right. So I started looking at the Amstel guy. He's got like the, the it's like a USA like stand attachment thing that actually has like a Prusik and stuff like that. It's pretty mm -hmm. slick. And so it's like, I ended up getting that. So it'd just be easier and I could get it, get the platform tight where I want it, but I don't have like any metal and stuff like that. And so I've just tried to simplify things. So I, so, so I could add complication <laughs> so I could add filming to it, but yeah. just try to simplify things overall <clears throat> to get to like a little bit more of a ease of use and, and lower fiddle factor. So I can implement a camera and not feel like it's so daunting. Well, no, that, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was this year I had, I was testing a camera arm for a company and I had hated self-filming to the point, like I had this old Hawk camera arm that was heavy, mm -hmm. big, and it had like a ratchet strap on it. So it was loud every time I had to, you know, put it tight and uh timber ninja came out with a carbon fiber one mm. that they had me test this year i don't think it's even released yet like they put it out there like they were coming out with it but not hadn't released it yet and he had me do some testing on it 
It weighs nothing. You can smash it off anything. It sounds like hmm. rattling antlers because it's carbon fiber. And right. I just had a, I, I had the, where I need an upgrade is the head was a cheap plastic one that came on the. Um, it worked. It was just really like you know, it wasn't very free flowing. So right. But anyways, I I didn't mind using that because and hmm. then it had like a I think it's called the cam buckle, but like there's no there's no ratchet to it. It just oh, it's like an o- cinches o- OCB. over OCB OCB buckle. Cool? OCB yeah, buckle, yeah. yeah, yeah, like where you just like cinch it over and it tightens. It kind of like adds tension to it, mm-hmm. but it like just clicks into place, but with no noise. Um, super simple to set up. I throw that little handy cam on there, and it's just like it really took me five minutes to set it up. It's got a couple dual leveling stuff on it. Everything just works, and I'm right. like, and I filmed all year with it, and I'm like, did you really? All right. Yeah, okay, I did. Nice. I, I used it all year, and I was. And uh, so I actually filmed me shooting my Pennsylvania buck this year, but I didn't have the camera angled low enough. So I just got the antlers coming in and then, <laughs> and then me going at full draw on the arrow releasing, but I missed the actual shot. So that was great. Oh, yeah. I was like so pumped after I did it. I'm like, I did it. I finally self filmed me shooting something and I, I, I messed it up, but That's it was, awesome. a, it was, a, it was a learning, learning thing, but it was fun to, um, to play around with that and it made it because it was so simple and small. I didn't mind carrying it, uh, in my pack. Um, but I've also, I, I've also put a lot of effort kind of like what you're saying of having my gear dialed well before season and knowing where everything's at so that when I go in, everything's like, like you can do with your eyes closed, so yeah. to speak, because I know in the past, like I'd go in the first, the first like week I'd hunt, when I say week, like opening day and then maybe the first weekend, whenever I get out was always like a, just a shit show. Like oh, I couldn't, yeah. f- I'd for- be forgetting things and I had something. Now I have like, you know, a list. I have certain pockets where everything goes. I practice all of it ahead of time. I have, everything's got a spot. And, and, and I, and I did the same thing. I analyzed like what you said was like, okay, where are my pain points? There's some things that I would complain about every single time I went in the woods, but I did nothing about. And then once I figured Guilty that out, is charged, dude, like a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. Like that's, I just felt like even like things like with going up the tree, like with my sticks and everything, you know, I'd have it where like all of a sudden my sticks would bang against my, my platform that was on the, the back of my saddle. And I'm like, why is it, you know, every time this would happen <laughs> and I'd like wrap it with, um, I'd wrap it with uh tape and everything with hockey tape and, 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 this, uh, other stuff that I was, I'm using. I can't think of the name of it. I got it off of Amazon. It's meant for uh sound dampening on the inside of cars. It's a tape okay. I buy for like $5 a roll. Hmm. And, uh, um, Tessa tape, that's it. T E S A Tessa tape. And I I'm put that on there and it's, it silences it. But anyways, I was still having a little bit of noise. I'm like, what the heck? And all it took was, you know, before this season, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I was in my yard and I'm like, okay, why don't I just take three of the one sticks, put them on my, um, right side. You know, I hang the first one on the ground. Sometimes I hang the second one, but put them all on one side and then move the little, I have one of those little Genesis, uh, 3d printed hooks for my predator platform that I moved off to one side a little bit. And now there's no, there's nothing hits. I'm like, it's something that simple that, that I, and I actually hooked my sticks just through the, the tensioning cords that were on my, um, sys haulers. Mm-hmm. So I just use, I don't even have to add anything else to tie them up on. I just wrap them around there, pull them off. And it was like something that simple really yeah. helped my efficiency and, and, and feeling confident when I went in the woods. Yeah. My biggest thing is like one of the other things I literally just got it the other day and I've been thinking, and this kind of goes to your point, it's been a pet peeve of mine for like two years and I've not done anything about it. And that was 
you know, really when I started one sticking, you know, what I ran into was like, when I go out West, I like having a bino harness, you know, especially, you know, where I was at in Idaho this year, cause you know, grizzlies, apex predators, I was able to carry, you know, a 45 or a 44 Magnum on my chest, you know, with a, with a holster that was kind of connected to my, my bino harness. PA, I don't need that. Right. So I've got yeah. this bino harness that takes up this space. Right. And it's, it's a great bino harness, but it's just, it's too big. I'm like, I don't need all this for hunting whitetails that. And typically I'm walking in, in the dark and I'm walking out in the dark. I'm not glassing anything on my way in anyway, unless I'm doing like an evening hunt and that's, you know, and I can manage, I, I figure something out. I was like, but when I go to climb my bino harness, whenever I'm one sticking is always hitting the tree. Whenever I'm going to wrap my, my, uh, my am steel around, you know, to attach my stick as I move it up. Right. It's like, and it's always scrapes against the tree. It makes noise. And two, it just makes it harder for me to climb. Right. It's like, it doesn't need to be that hard if you don't have anything on the front of your chest. And so I'm like, man, I need to do something that, and even whenever you're in the tree, and I've got my bino harness on and I've got like my range finder over here on my right side. It's connected to my bino harness. It's like, like my, uh, my bridge is coming down. Sometimes whenever I go to turn right or left, my, my bino harness will get caught on it or whatever. And just like pisses me off. And I'm like, for like two years, I've done nothing about this. You know what I mean? And it's been a pain point for two years. So I finally was looking at like all those, like, uh, I think, these, I think the dude's name is like Rick Young or something like that. And he makes like these super light bino harnesses that are, that are just like cordage almost. Yep. And so I was like, man, I was like, screw it. I'm going to get one of those. And then I'm going to get just like the little, it's not even a bivy. It's almost just like a, like a dust and like water cover. You just like snap. That's like elastic. You just snap over the ends. I was like, man, I just wear that thing in. I was like, I'm not crawling through anything like whitetail hunting on the ground. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm just walking through the brush. If that, and I was like, it, it'll protect it well enough. I was like, so I ended up getting one of those. And I was like, that way, man, I just throw it in my pack from now on. And like, when I get the tree, I'll put it on. I was like, or wear it in whatever i was like but at least i have options that don't feel like that i'm being hindered you know what i mean because yeah. even stuff in that bino pack and or that bino harness into a pack the size of it it's still like man it's just like it's big you know what i mean i'm like man it'd be nice just to kind of wrap that cordage around my my binos toss them in my pack if i don't want to wear them in and i'm and i'm good to go or wear them in and i don't have like all this space or like, like the big sweat mark on my back from like the from the yoke you know what i mean like so it's just like little things like that to your point to where it's like, man, I've just been an idiot trying to like power my way through it. <laughs> and now I'm just like, I don't want to power my way through it anymore. It's like, I just want this to work. Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with the buddies Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the GoSticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. 
Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Well, I just did the same, <clears throat> the same, well, not the same thing, but similar, whereas I identified the problem with the bino harness, you know, hitting mm-hmm. off of the, the bridge of your saddle and everything. And, and I was like, I'm looking at different ways and I'm running higher. And, but then it's like, you kind of run into string clearance, mm-hmm. you know, things like you're worried about. So I was like, all right, what can I do? I'm like, do I really need this on when I'm in the tree? Yeah, so this is where mine came from. So I use my bino harness. I use, I have the sick mountain optics harness where I put my pistol behind there because I we do oh, have okay. black bears and stuff. So I do like yep. to have that on me. And but anyways, I get to the tree and I climb up. And what I do now is I take that off and then my hiss strap that I have hanging down with uh, one of those S beaners. I just clip that on to my bino harness and then that optics harness has one that was like a lower strap that goes around. It's supposed to go around like kind of your kidney area and I wrap that around the tree. So it's right in okay. front of me, the tree, and I keep it open, the lid. So my binos are right there. My range finder is there. Um, and what I, I can eat, there's two options I'll do with the range finder depending on the tree. I'll either leave it in there and just flip it to the opposite direction so it's easy to pull Um or I'll take it off and hang it by its cord on the S beater on the outside mm-hmm. so I can grab it as I'm moving and and do it that way or put it in my my side pocket on my on my uh, pants. But it really depends on the tree on what I do with the rangefinder. But I have it there and it's almost like I have, you know, another toolkit. It's kind of like right there in front of me, but it's not yeah. creating bulk on me. I can spin in any direction I want to in my saddle and not be hindered or having the brushing noise of the, the bridge rubbing up against it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's helped out. It's helped out quite a bit. The only thing I ran into with like running, I ran not the Rick Young harness, but I ran just a regular harness that had the binos open mm-hmm. was when I would be hanging. If I wore that walking in, when I'd be hanging my sticks mm-hmm. that it would swing and hit my binos would smash against my sticks. Yeah, so just, I I thought of that too for wearing this, and it's why I ended up going with the Rick Young because the way that thing works, it's, tight. it's got like some elasticity to it. Yeah, but like if you wanted it even tighter, you can take the 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 part that's uh, the part of the yoke, I guess, if you are the harness that's coming underneath your arms, you can pull that out and wrap it around the end of your binoculars, and it sucks it tight to your chest. Okay, and so and so it won't flap. You know what I mean? So yeah, because I used to run a regular just bino harness, like an, a Sitka one, like however many years ago you know just yeah. like a regular like open open harness and i loved that thing but it just like it wore out and i never replaced it. that's when i went to like a like a bivy style or whatever yeah um but i'm uh, the rick young piece is like i ordered it so it's on its way here i'm super stoked to get it because i think that's going to be like the ticket because i was like how many times do i actually use my binos walking in or my rangefinder walking in like i other than like the one time i would still wear the bivy would be when i go to like kansas because yeah. I do like having like, cause that's like, they're always accessible. They're, they're right there, you know, um, by, or in the, in, 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 in my, uh, range finders right there as well, because I need to be able to make moves kind of quickly or whatever. So I do like it for that. And then I also have like two things underneath of it where I can actually hang my bow on it. That way when I'm glass and I don't have to lay my bow down, I just clip it into my harness and I can, yep. and I can glass. 
Um, so for like out West or like Kansas, like a plain state or something like that, it's like, I'd still wear like the big harness, but more so like whenever I know I'm going to be in trees. So basically anywhere other than a plain state, you know, I would likely wear that slim harness, um, just because it solves a lot of the a lot of the problems that that I've been having with uh, with one, spe- specifically with one sticking. That's where like the genesis of the problem really was. Gotcha. And and I know so I've seen those Rick Young harnesses in person. So like working the Maven booth at the Great American Outdoor Show, it's the amount of those those Rick Young uh, harnesses that the guys work in their self <laughs> is crazy. Because people are always really? like, I don't want to carry you know have a lot mm-hmm. of bulk on on my chest and like go over talk to rick young over there like it's a pretty slick system it's super simple easy to use and they're 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 pretty cool they're pretty cool systems i might i might look at getting one of those myself and just to use for some of those other hunts like you're you're talking about there and being able to have it and like the binos i use for whitetail hunting the maven b3 by 30s are so small like so that's what i was just going to ask you because i'm using the maven's uh 10 by 42 because i kind of got like a do it do it all glass for that. Cause I was like, yeah. oh man, I was like, I only want one set of binoculars. I was like, so let me get something that I can use like in Kansas when I have to glass fair, fairways off or whenever I'm in out West hunting elk where I need to glass a fairways off. But that, but also isn't too much power for the white tail woods. Yep. But now like the more and more I think about it, I'm like, man, I want like a pair of like eight buys or a smaller set of 10 buys or something like that. That's just like smaller glass. Because I mean, you know, when you get up to like 10 by 42, those are, that's a, a big bino. You know? Yeah, it's it's and when you put good glass in it, it makes it heavy. So that's yeah. like, you know, when you have really good ED glass, it's just a heavy, you know, binocular essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like those the B threes, the eight by thirties. It's just like in the timber, I'm not glassing that far anyways. And I mean, even out West, I only use nine by magnification. Like I like a wider field of view, better low light. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's lightweight. Now I'd say that if you were looking for a combination, the one that you have is probably the best. So like for anybody listening, that's like, all right, I want something to do it all, you know, a, a 10 by 42, um, nine by 45 or eight by 42. Like those are pretty good, um, options. But if you're looking to specifically, if you're just like a whitetail hunter, I love the eight by thirties. Cause they're such a small package. You really could put a them in you, you could take you could have them on that rick young harness if you wanted you'd have them in the side pocket of your cargo you know in your pants and yeah. walk in and toss it on later if you wanted you didn't want to wear it in like it's it, they're so light and small like i it really also came from like turkey hunting and not wanting to have all this stuff going on and just have something small that i could still use the glass and um yeah i'd, I'd recommend those yeah. like hundred percent. I've used those since 2018 and I love those little ones. Nice. Yeah. I've used uh Chad has a set of those and I've checked his out, you know, when we were in Kansas. Now when we were in Kansas, he was like, I wish I had, he wished he had my glass. Yeah. You know what I mean? For Kansas. Cause in, well, it was fine. Cause we were together. So it was whatever he was able to, he was like, Hey, there's deer over there. And I'd be looking over at this other glass in another section. He'd be like, Hey, put some, put some glass on these. Tell me, you know, he's like, I think the one's a decent buck. And so I'd glass that one up for him, you know, and so we worked together. So it wasn't a big deal. You but pulled it up and you're like, it's a spike. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, it's a giant dude. I'm like, dude, that's a forky. <laughs> Get some bigger glass, homie. <laughs> oh my God. It's funny. Um, but yeah, that's uh so I've been look, I've been looking at that, but I'm trying to think if there's any other gear changes I'm, I'm making this year. Um, I just started kind of evaluating like, you know, what gear I might change out and stuff like that. And those are the first things I kind of really got to is more around the idea of, you know, how can I make some adjustments to 
get more comfortable carrying a camera into the tree, you know, more consistently, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that was really kind of like the, the, the first kind of the, the first part of it. Cause I, I feel good, like I'm good with one sticking. Like I don't need, I don't need like other sticks or anything like that for it. So the only other thing I'll change is actually, is I'll be, I will get a fast pack at some point. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. Cause now I use the, uh, and I love it. It's great. I use the, the, uh, Sitka, uh, uh, tool bucket, I think not tool the bucket, biggest yep. one, the, the middle yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and I've used that the past two years and love it. And, and it has just like the right amount of pockets, but it's still like, for me, like I'm not a big dude, like I'm not super wide. And so I still like, feel like sometimes that pack itself is still like even a little bit wide for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it sits outside my body profile, you know? And I'm always trying, like, I don't care so much about weight and things like that. I'm more because of just like my smaller frame. Like I'm more of like, how wide is this thing? And how, and is it going to like be how close to like the top of my head is something going to be, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of more like, cause I want to be able to slip through like tight areas and not catch on brush. And if it's a whole lot wider than me, then I have a hard time judging. Like, yeah, I got enough space and I go to get through. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you just made a bunch of noise, you know? Um, so I'm looking forward to get to the, getting that because like, just like the, the slimmer profile and it has a lot of similar kind of pocket configurations that the current pack that I'm using has, especially like on the outside where it's like, I keep like my camera arm and stuff like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting that. Cause I just feel like it'll streamline things a little bit more for me and it's smaller. So it'll force me to ditch some stuff to be quite honest with you. Cause I still take stuff that I don't need to take. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest thing is like, how can I slim down? Like I have looked at, one of the most popular videos I've done on YouTube was my breakdown for what I carry during the rut. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people comment or like, you carry all that stuff. Like, cause I, <laughs> I, I do like, and I'd say a lot of it's food, coffee, you know, amenities. And amenities. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to cut those out, but like, it's just like, how can I, I'm always looking. I felt like I did a good job this year of streamlining it, but I want to continue to, to do that and one of the things too is like being able to add suspenders um to my pa- my saddle it it made me wear my saddle in more because i didn't mm-hmm. like that it would always fall down and it was kind of uncomfortable with wearing a pack as i was going in mm-hmm. and the suspenders helped that out quite a bit and and that took out that got rid of room in my pack so i could put layers and stuff on the inside rather than strapping it to the outside that was one thing i thought was a um a benefit for me you know this year mm-hmm. one piece that i don't know if you've um you tried out yet but as a piece of clothing um sick as ambient hoodie uh, is, well, I haven't. Ha- yeah, I have. I have a hoodie. I uh, I have. I didn't wear it hunting. It's the one I got. Uh, I ended up just getting an all black one, mainly for like yep. some turkey hunting, like if I'm in a in a blind or something like that. But mainly to to scout in. That thing is baller. But I did get like the uh the pieces that I did wear was like the ambient jacket during like the whitetail season, and that thing was like, dude. I don't know. I probably sold ten to like friends of mine, like where yeah. they were like, hey, what should I get for like a mid layer, like a you know like an insulation layer? I'm like, dude, just go get the, the Sitka ambient jacket, like in whatever like color you want to get. I was like, cause that thing, like you're good to go. Like if you have that in like a Stratus vest, you basically be able to hunt until late season and probably even late season, as long as you don't have negatives. 
Yeah. Well, and no, you're you're 100 right. Like, so there's the there's the ambient hoodie, which has a little bit less insulation than there's the ambient jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of those, I, the way when people ask me, like, which one should I get? It's like, well, what do you already have? And then like figure out how that can make sense for you. But the yeah. hoodie replaced even like I love the fanatic hoodie, but it replaces my second layer, so I can put it right over top of my base layer, and it's warmer, but it also breathes better. So like you can right. hike in it, and I've just loved. You know, I was just down in Ohio hunting late season and all day i wore core lightweight base ambient hoodie and stratus vest and blaze orange um and then the timberline pants and it was like i was hunting all day in it i could sit and it was you know 35 degrees and i could sit for a couple hours and i was fine i didn't eat anything else it was just like a nice i just felt like it's hard you know there's so many good clothing pieces out there and stuff it's very rare that i'd be like oh this thing is like a must-have and mm-hmm. but it is a must-have in 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 my system and like or like the way i look at it is someone already had like the fanatic hoodie um uh, or whatever and they wanted and they had stratus and they're like what you know what do i do i would go with like the ambient jacket because then you have um, an insulation piece that can mm-hmm. go on top of that in between. You might just carry that in with you rather than wearing it. Um, but then you can also, you know, just wear your base layer and zip that up and hike in for a, you know, on like a cooler 40 some degree night and, and be fine too. So there's, yeah. it, it's a very versatile piece that, that, I mean, I've used everywhere from out West to, to here in the, in Pennsylvania. Same man. The, uh, it, it, I always kind of, denote the value of like a piece of gear based on how often does it go on a hunt? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you know, like I value this piece to the point that this thing is in my pack from like October to like whenever. Right. And that, and that was actually one piece this year that was in my pack from the moment that it got kind of cool to where you would need something more than like a fanatic hoodie. You know what I mean? Like whenever it got beyond that. So like, you know, we're talking like middle of, middle of October, you know what I mean? Yep. And that was either on me wearing, depending on how cold it was, or was in my pack for every hunt from that point, from that point forward. I do have two different colors. So I have like a optifade, right? So I have one for like whenever I'm hunting out of a tree and then I have a, just a straight, like uh, like a gray one for whenever yep. I'm hunting like the plains or whatever, if I want to just like, so I have a solid or whatever. Um, and that went on every, every single hunt with me. And I'm similar to you to where it's like, it's a lot of times just like a stratus vest and whatever my, insulation layer is going to be like if it was normal kansas wind <laughs> or pennsylvania yeah. then i then i would wear like the the ambient if it was like uh brutal kansas wind then i pulled out like the uh I, what is it i forget what the name of it is it's the it's the primo off gold it's their new puffy that got that got oh yeah the, the kelvin light hoodie yeah it was the kelvin the, the kelvin light i would actually then i would actually wear that it would be would be what i'd wear so i'd go back and forth between those two depending on how much wind there was yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and, um, uh, what the heck else is I going to say? Um, oh, and the the other thing I was just thinking about there was, um, when you're talking about packs and, and being minimalist. So I, I was actually messing around with the tool belt. Have you ever used that? I have, um, I, I have one. In, so I used it for a couple hunts and this was the, the part, the hardest part for me was actually getting was actually getting the camera gear kind of situated in it. And then once I stopped taking the camera gear, I could have probably went back to that pack and been fine. But it was just like everything has always been just in my in my uh in my tool bucket. So I just would naturally just grab that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it's a uh, Chad uses it all the time, man. And I'm always like 
and he stuffs that things full. I'm like, man, how do you get that much stuff in that thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, good yeah, lord, dude. small. Yeah, um, it's small, but like I, I used it like I use it when I don't need to carry like my sticks. Like if I'm ground hunting or like mm. when I'm gun hunting, I thought it was super nice because I can just put all my stuff on either two Nalgene bottles full of water or I put one Nalgene bottle on a trail camera in one of the side mm. pockets and have your, you know, necessities inside. They're filming. It makes it a little bit more difficult. But if you're not mm. filming, it has everything in there, your food and everything yeah. else you need. And then like the mesh pocket on the back, you can stuff you know, your layers in that you're carrying with you. Or one thing that I've been messing around with is you can attach the predator platform pack, uh, the predator pack, uh, to it too, to mm-hmm. use and have that as the harness part. So you can carry your saddle platform with yeah. you and then attach your sticks on the top or the bottom of it. Um, mm-hmm. and be it with one stick and it'd be easy for you. You land one stick, but, yeah. uh, there's, you know, that was just like more of a minimalist approach because, I had for a while, I was always carrying something and I still use a cargo box for most things, but it's like, okay, I was even in the past, I was using Kafaru's and like these meat hauling packs. Cause I was like packing things out, but, and, and I still do. But what I realized was really I can, if I shot a deer and I'm back there, most of the time I'm able to call for help and someone comes in and helps and they either can bring a pack in or whatever and either pack it out or we drag it out Two, I can take one quarter throw it over my shoulder, walk it out to the truck, get my frame pack out of the truck, come back in and get the rest of the deer. And, and right. you're going to need two trips most likely anyways. Yep. So it's like, I, I want something that's going to work the best for me in the tree and what I'm using it most of the time for not having, you know, a, a big bulky pack for something that I'm only going to use part of the time. You're like right. very, very small, like 1%, like, oh, I guess for me, like a quarter percent of the time, you know, like right. It's not, <laughs> right. It's not and I'm the same. I'm the, yeah. I'm the same way. It's like, I, uh, I look at it like this, my pack that I have to hunt with for whitetails is focused on getting the deer killed. I'll deal with whatever I got to deal with afterwards. Once that part gets done, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm the same as you. It's like, I take, I have an exo, uh, an exo pack. Yeah. Um, for my Western pack and an awesome pack this year. It's like, I, I've never had like a legit, like mountain pack before, you know, or a backcountry pack. Um, and that thing was killer. And so I just, I've got the crib that comes along or that you buy separately for it. That kind of gives you like the ability to haul meat just on the frame itself without the bag, you know? Yep. And so I just literally throw that in my truck at the beginning of October or, you know, once for me, it comes in around mid September locally, I just throw that in my truck and it doesn't leave until like the end of the season. And I just yeah. always know that I've got that in my truck. So it's like, if it's too far for me to drag, then, you know, I'll just walk back to the truck and grab my pack and, you know, quarter it up and, and take it out and be done with it. Yeah. No, I think that's such a, I think that's such a good approach to, to be able to have that and everything. So I know this year, um, and maybe even last year, I don't remember, but you've been using Spartan Forge a lot more. How, what's mm-hmm. your experience been with that? Dude, love it, man. Like, especially like a lot of the new stuff they've been dropping, um, dropping lately like the 3d stuff like with the uh with the color coding of like the gradation angle uh the slope angle dude like it it um in that big woods piece the northern big woods piece that i hunt like it made it opened up my eyes to a couple things like as soon as i flipped it on like as soon as it as soon as it went live and i and i text bill as soon as like i saw it i was like dude holy shit like where's this been all my life (laughs) it's like you just made my life so much easier with this because I was at, there's a couple places. There's a, there's a really good deer that I've known of for two years. And I was bummed that I haven't been able to get back to hunt him, uh, hunt him late season, but 
he's in this one little area and we kind of found him last year and he was a good deer and wasn't real sure where he was spending time because there's a lot of the pictures I was getting of him was at was at night and went on a scouting mission this past winter and found found some scat. I'll use the uh, I'll use the biological term. Found some scat, <laughs> but it looked like it looked like whatever deer that was dropping that scat was either a very big deer or had been to prison in the past. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> dude, dude was shitting out like cat diesel sized ball bearings, like it was in like an earth mover. You know what I mean? Like it was it was large and in charge, and found all these rubs in this like area. And, you know, we clearly found like a bed. I didn't know when that bed was being used. I don't know when those rubs were being laid down, but just based on like the camera inventory we had of that deer, I was suspecting it was probably like late ish October, like that middle of October. I say middle of October. Cause it's when they'll start kind of like throwing down like a little bit of sign and stuff like that through like rut is what it really kind of felt like, because we had him in daylight in the summer and in, in, like another area, you know what I mean? And sure enough, like we had a couple cameras in this general area because I hunt this area with like two of my buddies and we all kind of put out cameras and we scout together and we share intel and just hoping one of us kills one of the big ones that's in that area. A lot like you guys do, like you and Johnny and all you guys, you all kind of like hunt together. It's like you pull information together, you make plans together and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, and so this area is kind of hard to get into. So the, I only got to hunt it like three days this year in, in October. And I think I bumped him the one day because I think he was spending time in two different spots because I had him in two different areas, which was really weird. Like they're not far away from each other, but I wouldn't have suspected I would have found him in that other spot, but I had truck camera data of him for both years on both sides of this like mountain, essentially. And, um, I went in to hunt him and, and I think I kicked him up. Like we got to the same spot about the same time. I just heard antlers crashing through like the brush or whatever, which is never a sign, never something you want to hear. It was a solo deer running. I found a bunch of fresh scrapes and he's the only deer I've actually seen on camera. There's a lot of other deer that are around, but he's the only buck that I've had on camera that, act, that has actively opened scrapes on camera. And so, and these scrapes that were in this particular area weren't like they were, uh, it wasn't like a, like there was a couple scrapes that were there last year, but like there, there was like a bunch that was opened, like a whole line of them that opened this year. And I was like, all right. And he's the only deer that I've actually visibly seen, like, make a rub like on camera and like thrash things. And so I got to the last scrape and it was just like gouge marks into the tree with brow tines. Right. And I was like, all right. And this is exactly where he was crossing the year before. So I was like, all right, it's gotta be him. So I made a play for him the next morning. And then that's about 40 yards below where I was trying to set up. Like I didn't expect him to be there already. And he must've just been bedded down on this lower bench and busted out of there. I couldn't see him, but just like, he had enough bone on his head to crack branches as he was running through brush. Oh. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, yep. I deduced that, like I, I had assumed based on all those scrapes being open and him being the most aggressive deer that we had on camera, that he probably was opening them. Those scrapes were only like a day old when I found them. So I knew whatever deer had made them was going to be, probably be close by. And there's a bunch of doe bedding that was behind on this top that I knew of, because a lot of the rut inventory I was getting in that area was coming from that area as well. So it all kind of lined up that it was probably him. I don't know for sure, but that's kind of what I what I had assumed. So I went to hunt him over on this other side of this mountain, you know, um, two days later, I guess it was. But the wind just wasn't right. So I ended up like scouting, checking some cameras and stuff like that. Well, long story short was he spent a lot of October in that particular area. It's a bitch to get into because it's almost like a vertical climb. It's not a long climb, but it's almost like vert. Yeah. And once I got that Spartan forge update and was able to look at the slope angle, man, I was able to see like, Oh man, here's a low spot. Oh, here's a low spot. And I was like, dude, I can weave my way through these low spots and save myself a lot of trouble 
trying to get versus how I was getting in there before. Cause I was taking a similar path, but I was, I was really taking the hardest path, you know what I mean? Cause yep. it seemed to be, it was the path that I kind of recognized or knew. And I was like, Oh, I know I can get through here, you know? Um, and then once I looked at that, I was like, dude, there's like all these low areas that I can just like S my way around and I'm still going to be able to use the same access wind. Only it's going to be a, an easier path for me to get there. And I was like, dude, I was like, that's, so for that alone, it's like I immediately started looking at all my other places. Like, dude, what other places do I have like the worst possible access physically, like that I could change and make it easier on myself? You know what I mean? So yeah. Oh my gosh, Th- that slope angle feature has is is so incredible, especially for areas that have terrain like that. I mean, when I was just in Ohio, it was like. I, you know, I pre-scouted it with using that and found all these different spots. And it was funny. The one time I was like, man, this looks like a little, little micro point that came off of this ridge, this little nub that, and it was, you know, it wasn't, didn't have any color. So it was the only flat spot and everything else was steep and everything. I'm like, I bet that there's, uh, you know, bucks that would bed there, go there. There's beds on there. There's, uh, rubs. And then I found a shed and it was like, Wow. Like, you know, it was just kind of one of those aha moments. And then, you know, there was also like bluffs. So there's cliffs and there was cliff band wrapped the whole way around this hill. And I could see where it went from red to yellow. And I'm like, that's a bluff gap. Like that's a spot where the deer can travel up through there. And the last evening I was there, I sat between two bluff gaps and had does come up, go right up through those gaps. And I'm like, and I, I saw that from looking at that slope angle feature. It was just, it was a really, it's been really helpful for me and I've used it in the past on like some different um mapping applications like not not any hunting applications like mm-hmm. other ones that I've used it but it w- wasn't something that was easy to transfer you know having all these different applications right. up I just yeah. didn't use it that much and right. I forgot how beneficial it is like if you can read topo lines you technically don't need it like to right. be able to see but it gives you that quick visual. You can have open an area looking at the map and be like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, here's a bench. Here's a little a pinch that's going across the side of the hill here. All right, the mast is, you know, lower this year. So maybe they're going to be hanging out lower on the mountain. Here's some good, you know, funnels that are around there or spots where they could be laying at. It's just, yeah. it helps simplify <laughs> that so much. For me, it's also because I started kind of e-scouting that area, like prepping to get back up there here as soon as the season kind of wraps up uh, to start scouting, to try to start putting more puzzle pieces together for that deer and a couple other ones. Because there's a couple decent ones that are up there that I, that have that, you know, my buddy just pulled some cameras and so gun season's over. Right. So most of them are going to get killed in flintlock up there or, or late, uh, late bow in that particular area. So it's like, there's a couple like hammers that that we know for sure have made it because we've had them on camera, like post gun season and stuff. And so I started looking for just like low spots because what do we know about low spots, man? Thermals like to kind of draw to those places, right? It's like a low spot in the field, right? The thermals yep. all, ultimately want to kind of get there, especially like in the evening, like you set up in that a low spot in the field in the evening, dude, every deer is going to want to come out of the field in that low spot. You know what I mean? Yep. Same thing. You know what I mean? If you're in the mountains and you find like a little low spot in the evening might be a great place, especially if it's close to like, a heavily used trail or like a food source or something like that. It's going to want to naturally kind of draw deer in the general area. You know, it's like if they can get that wind advantage there because it's a little lower than the rest of the terrain, it's like, boom, it's also shown me stuff that like you typically wouldn't see unless you have boots on the ground. That's yep. been the biggest thing. It's like, it saves you time. Cause there's been places where it's like, I've looked at it like, Oh, I want to scout that. I'm like, dude, that thing is like bright red. Like I ain't like, I'm not <laughs> walking up the side. That's like vertical. Like it's, it's all rock and sheer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
And so it keeps me from wasting time on places that maybe aren't going to produce. The other thing too, that I'm finding like in this particular spot, it's, it's similar to like what you are hunting out in your area. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of similar type of terrain. And, um, it's like, if you can find a pocket of something in one area, what color is that? Well, what other, where is that color at in other places that have very similar kind of features? You know what I mean? You can just start looking for that. You know what I mean? It's like, and start going, oh, what could be here? It could be here. It could be here. Well, what makes this spot good? It's like, oh, well, there's a, a small saddle in it or whatever it is, right? Like whatever feature yeah. that you're identifying. And it's like, all right, well, this color, oh, it's the same color. Oh, and there's also a similar feature there. Oh, there's a similar, you know, it kind of starts making those things, you know, pop out to you. Like if you're a Jake Bush and you're hunting like C-shaped thermal hubs, right? You like you identify one on a map. What's the color ring look like around it? All right, yeah. what are those other colored rings around these areas that let, set up for a thermal hub? All right, boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? It's like you can start just to like dropping pins and knowing five minutes of walking in there what you should see if it's good. You know what I mean? If you don't see it, then you know, look, it's not worth being here. Well, and that's what helps so much with being able to go back and e scout an area after you hunted it. Like I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes, um, you know, even talking to people is like okay, yeah, they, they'll East got an area, then they go in, and it's all boots on the ground. But I think you learn even more when you come back and you apply what you've learned from being in there and then look at the map again. Yeah, And be 100%. like, okay, you, when you have like the your waypoints marked to the sign, now looking at the slope angle, now looking at all the, the contours and being like, okay, what are the trends here? What are the types of terrain they're liking to use? And like you said, now you can replicate that in other similar areas. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because Tony... Peterson and I have talked about that just in, you know, even when you're hunting out of state and you start to see similarities, you know, cause that was the one thing I tried to wrap my mind around. I did a better job of this year and going to Kansas. And actually, even when I talked to Eddie Claypool, he even mentioned it and he and I talked about it a little bit, but it was hard for me the first trip out there to like really make sense of it. Cause I was seeing that habitat and that terrain for the first time in my life. I'd never yeah. been to Kansas before, you know what I mean? And those drainages are basically just up down, upside down ridges and the deer use them the same way. You know what I mean? So it's like if you have a a ridge, right? And maybe you have, you know, some uh, secondary ridges that are coming off of that. If it's a north and south ridge and you got east and west ridges running off of that north and south ridge, right? Well, the north and south ridge is what they're going to use at night. And they're going to travel, but where they're going to spend their time, you know, during the day, either bedding or feeding, you know, where they're going to mill around during the day is going to be those east and west ridges that kind of point off that north and south. And it's going to be wind dependent, right? You know, by by and large. And so when you look at those drainages, those drainages are the same thing. Like the main drainage is like the big ridge. And then those little like tributaries that come off of those drainages are ultimately those secondary ridges. And they're usually the ones that have like a shit pile of brush and they're just like a little bit more nasty and a little bit better mm. cover. And that's typically where like those deer in Kansas a lot of times want to spend time in is those areas. Ah, so I've never hunted that type of area. So I've never heard that before, but I, I like that. That's, yeah, that's it's it sets up. It's just inverted. You know what I mean? Like Jake Bush and I were talking about it when I had him on whenever that was October or something like that. We were talking and and he he had the same thing. He was like, yeah, he's like, you know, checking. I'm just using that almost the same as like I would a ridge, you know, huh. um, which is really interesting. But it takes you a minute to kind of like think about it because it's low lying, you know, so your axis has to be a little bit different. Like, you know what I mean? It's just it's a little I, I started figuring it out a little bit more this year because I actually had a couple encounters in those like in those drainages in and around those drainages this year um, where last year I focused a little bit more on like bottoms, like Creek bottoms and stuff like that, where this year I was actually getting into like the drainages that were out in the middle of like CRP that were kind of like in the middle of nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. How, how's your travel trailer done this year? Dude, 
it's a beast, man. You know, it keeps on, it keeps on ticking, dude. I, uh, it, uh, I, how many days I spent it? I don't know. I think I spent like 16 consecutive days in it this year. Like at one point, you know, um, it was all solo this year going to Kansas. So last year, Chad was, was with on that trip, but I was all solo on this one. Uh, it was good, man. You know, had some cold temperatures. Um, when it gets really windy in Kansas, there's sometimes like at night you think you're going to flip over. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just, it's so light. It's so small. Um, but no major updates to that this year, man. Like it, it's kind of like it does its job now, man. Like I don't really need to do much That's to it. And, it. and it does exactly what I wanted it to do. It's like if something breaks, I throw it away and I, and I put a new one in. You know what I mean? That's kind of how it's how it was built, yeah. you know, to, to be able to do that. Um, so explain to everybody kind of what, what your travel trailer is. Um, <laughs> just so if anybody, if, if they haven't seen it before or right. anything. Yeah. So it's essentially a, a six by 10 cargo trailer that my father or that my uh, grandfather uh, had passed away and my grandmother had, and she wanted to get rid of it. And so, you know, I gave her a couple bucks for it and uh, took it off her hands. It's nothing fancy. It's got plenty of rust on it. It at one point was purple and now it's all sun faded and like, distressed white and mauve you know so it's not like (laughs) hunting at all um you know and he used it for crafting uh he did a lot of woodworking and stuff like that he'd build like these ornate like doll houses and stuff like that he used to build for my sister when we were kids but he built all kinds of stuff and so that's what he used it for to go to like craft shows and stuff like that and so when i got it i basically took all the shelving and gutted everything out of it down to just like the four walls and then essentially just made a travel trailer by, you know, putting a bunk bed in it. I put a propane heater in it. That's a Dickinson heater. That's, that's actually vented. It's made for, uh, it's made for boat cabins. So like things you want to go like offshore with and stuff like that. Um, I put solar power in it. So I've got like flexible solar panels on the roof that are detachable. So I take them off whenever I'm not using this, the, when I don't need to charge batteries and especially when it's just sitting at the house, because, um, it'll just wear those panels down. They're expensive. So if I don't need yeah. it, I don't keep, I don't keep them on that way. You know, they typically will last something like three to four years, but they lo- start losing their efficiency pretty quickly. So anytime I'm not using them, I just keep them in the garage. So they're not getting beat up and hopefully I can get like eight years out of them or whatever. Yep. And then I have a 1500 watt hour, uh, blue Eddie, uh, solar, uh, battery. I guess it's the brain of things. So the solar generator that the panels feed into, I think I have like 380 Watts of solar power on the roof. Um, and those are all flexible panels, so they're not the big glass ones. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, we, I have a setup in there to, to string up a hammock in there really, really quickly for Chad. Cause Chad likes to sleep in a hammock. So I set that up. So he has a place to sleep when we travel together. I've got a really small freezer that sits underneath the bunk bed that, uh, uh, for when we kill that way, we've got a place to, you know, freeze some meat down if we need to, for a trip back home. And, uh, what else do I have in there? I built a little DIY shower, like a propane powered shower for hot water, um, that I can t- actually take a nice. shower in there. It's, it's kind of a rigged up system, but you know, I don't like to use it every day cause it's just a pain to get out. Um, but if I need a shower every three days and I don't have one close by the, then I can, I can make a shower happen. Yeah. Um, and then this year, the thing I added to it, man, got, got me a John, got me a throne, got a throne for oh. that piece now. Oh yeah. We're shitting in this trailer now, man. Oh my gosh, that's uh that's that's a quote unquote game changer. Yeah, dude, game changer bits <laughs> stepping in high cotton, son. <laughs> but uh, oh. but uh I did make the mistake of like letting it sit there for too long and like opened it up the one day to go to the bathroom and it almost knocked me out. It was bad. I was like, oh. All right. So I was like I was like the old uh disposal has to happen at a more frequent rate than I was hoping for. <laughs> I was hoping made for. me gag. Just, I, <laughs> just thinking about that. 
right yeah it's like port john on on like steroids is what that thing was like but you know if you're on like a week trip or two week trip like you're good you just don't want to let it hang out for you know longer than after your trip essentially yeah no that makes sense yeah, oh cool yeah. I'm, I'm, i i was wondering how that's been working out for you i know on year two of using it and, and yeah, actually this was out. year this was year three man third really? year yeah because the first year was uh missouri and ohio it was like 16 days of that and then some other dates like you know scouting and whatever and then the second year was uh a little bit up in the north piece and then two weeks plus in kansas and then this year it was a little bit up in the north piece uh and like uh a week of hunting in kansas but like something like 12 days of traveling or something like that okay between hunting between hunting and traveling and stuff like that so yeah, I mean, and then I use it for scouting and stuff too. So it's like, I usually get like somewhere between like 30, 30 couple nights, like, you know, a year in it that I, that I stay in it. Usually I stretch for like roughly two weeks, you know, is like the longest stretch that I've done in it, living, living yeah. out of it and working out of it. Cause it's got Wi-Fi, uh, or it's got a, uh, cell extender so I can work from it, take zoom calls. So it's like, I've traveled and taken, you know, worked a day or worked multiple days out of it, got all my, my zoom calls, took conference calls and did all my work that I needed to do. That's that's sweet. I, I want to get one of those cell extenders so like when I go on trips, I can do work and stuff mm-hmm. on the road because it's like typically you're in places that don't have the best cell yeah. signal and everything. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it that's been really good. It's funny because like I started looking into, um, and this would probably be a little bit overkill, but I actually started looking into getting. Uh, is it called Starlink? Starlink. That, yeah, yeah. The mobile um, setup. For the RVs, yeah. Because yeah. so my dad built his retirement home back home, you know, in in, in and around Bedford, Pennsylvania, and uh, moved back from North Carolina, built a cabin, and he's out in the middle of nowhere, and they didn't have cell or they didn't have uh, internet service where he was moving to, and it was going to be a while, so they were going to get it, and so they signed up to get like the home Starlink, like the residential, but it's like a waiting list for that, and they were like, oh well, you can get like the RV one, and so they got the RV one, just like like a way to hold them over or whatever, and they're like, this thing works great. Like we don't even know yeah. if we want to get the residential because it works so well. <clears throat> and I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I might do that for the trailer. I was like, cause then I legit could live like, you know, off the grid for longer periods of time. Because the only thing is, is like that cell extender, it works pretty well. I have to have a bar or at least a faint bar. And, but it's still like the internet gets a little wonky once in a while where it's like, I can't do a video call. Like I can do phone, like, the audio, but like the video won't work. And it, and for me, like what I do for a living, I have to present a lot. And so I have to be able to like share a screen and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, maybe I'll get that because you can do like a month to month plan to where it's like, I can turn it on one month and turn it off the next or whatever. Oh, I didn't know you could do that with the RV one. Yeah, you can. Cause that was the big thing for me. Cause I was like, it's expensive to get off, to get off the ground, like a couple hundred bucks. But you know, I was like, if I can just turn it on like October through like November and then turn it off, I was like, then that's all I really need. You know, yeah. it's just those, it's those couple months or whatever. Huh. So, no, I, I know a couple of people that have that RV version, but I hadn't talked to them about the specifics of the plan, but been very happy with it. And my cousin put the residential one in his Airbnb and, and it mm-hmm. works great. Yeah. I was actually going to get it for my house until they just finally upgraded the internet lines here. So now I actually have fast internet. Nice. It used to, t- it used to take me. Uh, overnight to upload a video podcast to YouTube. Um, it was like wow. anywhere from eight to 10 hours. And so like, it was very inefficient for what I have to do. And right. now I can, <laughs> now I can do it in like 15 minutes and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is crazy how quick it is. But yeah, uh, no, that's, that's, that's cool. I, 
uh, I didn't realize you had that for three years now, man. I guess yeah. time is flying. It is, man. It's uh, we're getting older. It means it goes faster. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> I know. I know. Wait, wait till you got a couple of little ones running around, then, dude. You'll you'll, you'll I know. know. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm. Uh, I mean, you're getting older. I'm staying. This. I'm staying. This oh, is that so, how it's working? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how it's working. <laughs> No, I, this year, this past year turning, I turned 30 and when that happened, I never, I never really thought about age much until, until I turned 30. And then I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm on a different stretch now. This is a different, different time, you know, it's a different, that, that, that is about the age where like you start to like, you're like, huh? So this is, this is how this works. You know what I mean? Life, you're huh? like, yeah, you're like, yeah, exactly. You're like. You know, because before it's like, you know, I feel like in your 20s, it's all, it's all just playing around, figuring stuff out, you know what I mean? And then like you hit 30, you're like, you know, not that, you know, it's just, it's just a number. It doesn't matter a whole lot, but it usually signifies like a, all right, where am I at? It's like almost like a reevaluation of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the 20s, I was like, I kind of chalked them up to like, I'm in my 20s. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then when you hit your 30s, you're kind of like, all right, I got to start making hay. You know what I mean? Like, what's the, what am I doing? Like, you know, what's, what's the thing I'm all about, you know, yep. um, you start to define those things and then family stuff starts coming along and those types of things. And it just, you know, uh, I will say this, like my thirties were super rad. Like that was probably like my, my favorite like time period. Like it's when I had my daughter, um, you know, we moved back to Pennsylvania in my thirties and, um, you know, my wife and I had been married for a good while at that point, you know, like five, five plus years and our, our marriage is awesome. You know, it's like, I had my little family unit and like, you just, as it's weird. Cause like things will get more complicated when you add kids and career and stuff like that. But it actually, it actually makes things when we're just to kind of circle back to what we were talking about earlier, it makes things really simple for you, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like, if it doesn't, if it doesn't um, help one of these three things or positively impact one of these three things, then I don't need it. If it doesn't help my family, if it doesn't help my career, if it doesn't help my, you know, my passion or whatever, right. Then it's not, it's not worth my time. And so you become really judicious in how you decision make, but you make decisions a lot quicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Because you just, you know, have a better um, criteria by which you're evaluating things, you know? Yeah. And you, and you only have so much time. So you have to be a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. particular on what, or, I guess more cognizant of what you're spending your time on and having that focus. Right. You know, it's like, I'll give you a good example. It's just, you know, last year, um, there was an area I had a good encounter with a good buck and I knew he was still in that area and I wanted to go hunt him. And my daughter had an equestrian riding, uh, competition that day. It was a Saturday, perfect day, like nice, like temp drop drizzling a little bit in the morning. So a little bit of precip, I slip in real quiet to the spot. Um, and this was like same exact winds. Everything was exactly the same as I had like almost a week before when I had the encounter with that deer. He just wouldn't give me a shot opportunity and uh, got in there and it felt right. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those sets where you're like, mm, man, and this is like mid October. It's not like an all day sit type day, but that day was like one of those days where it's like, man, the weather's right. The wind's right. I know he's in here. When I saw him last time, he was fired up making scrapes. I should, I'll sit here all day today. You know what I mean? It was one of those, but I told my daughter I'd be at her equestrian riding lesson or competition. And I want to say it was at like, like noon or something like that, or one o'clock. So I could only be in the tree till about 11 or 10 30, 11 o'clock in younger days. 
you may have fought with yourself because it was raining a little bit and you're battling like, do I get out of the tree? It's raining. This kind of sucks. I thought I would see him this morning. And I didn't, you know what I mean? Man, it made my, made my day really easy that day. Cause I was like, well, 1030 got to go. Like yep. kids got a competition, you know what I mean? Like get out of the tree, go. And I went and hunted somewhere else that evening or whatever, after she got done, but it just made my day more enjoyable and it made it a lot easier for me to make decisions. Yeah. You know? No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Definitely. I actually texted Dan Enfold after that. Cause I was like, <laughs> he, cause he's talked about that. Like, you know, in a lot of podcasts, just about like in hindsight, would he do the same things he's did done to kill big deer knowing if he knew then what he knows now. Right. About like the importance of family and the commitment to yeah. family and stuff like that. And he will honestly answer like, no, I would not like no one gives a shit about that big deer. You know what I mean? Like that's the reality of it. Right. And so I actually texted him after that. I was like, dude, I was like, our conversation was ringing in my ears today. Whenever I was in that tree thinking like, man, I could probably kill this deer if I just stayed here today. And I was like, nope, gotta go. You know, I was like, it was just one of those moments where it was like, you know, not you pat yourself in the back for making the right decisions. It's my family. You always make that decision, but it was just a realization of like, man, this, like these extra challenging and things that make your life more complicated. A lot of times are a blessing and just make it that much easier. Yep. You know, no, that's, I think that's a good way of, of looking at it. And, and, uh, I I've heard Dan say that, or like I read one of his posts talking about that. And that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a hard thing to come with your, you know, a reflection on on yourself as you went through those things but mm-hmm. of course obviously by sharing that that's helped others you know mm-hmm. yeah for sure in point uh that that um to help not make the same same decisions i guess that's it that's it man it's uh i think it's what we all try to do man we try to you know for our buddies or just people that we know and care about or whatever we try to if, if there's a lesson we can that we've learned that we can share with them to make their life a little easier or whatever you know then you try to do that, try to pay it forward. Right. I think that's the, I think that's the idea. So appreciate Dan for that. Learned a lot from him aside from that, but that was the one, you know, that I took that might've been, might be the most important one possibly. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And, and uh, I guess that's what the podcast, what our goal is to be able to do with each of us running a podcast is, you know, Mm -hmm. sharing things and learning for ourselves selfishly, and then also being able to help out others in the same, in the same breath. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not much better feeling than, you know, when you get those, those uh, messages from people like on Instagram or wherever it says, Hey man, I started listening to, you know, East meets West, or I started listening to truth from the stand, or I started listening to whatever, you know, and like your podcast helped me, you know, I killed my first deer this year, or or I was trying to kill this deer for three years and couldn't figure it out. And I listened to the conversation you had with Bo or you had with whoever. And this year I finally killed him because you said you guys were talking about X and that, that was the part that I was missing. You know, it's like, it's awesome. Like, I always hate the fact that they're like, man, I couldn't have done it. I'm like, dude, you did all the hard work, dude. All I did was like talk some shit on a microphone, (laughs) you know, know? but uh, that always is nice that like, you know, it it does help people, um, you know, which is, you know, which is the name of the, uh, the game, especially when you have small communities like we have in the hunting space, you know, try to help each other out. hundred percent. Well, Clint, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me again, man. It's been too long. We'll make sure that we don't keep this much gap in the the time. I think it's been, I look back, I think it was like a year and a half since I've had you on the podcast last. So it's, it, it didn't seem that long, but, uh, I, we'll, we'll make sure that we get you back on sooner and that and make yeah, at least one sure. person happy. Right. Exactly. There's one person super <laughs> stoked about this episode. <laughs> awesome. Man, I appreciate you having me on brother. We got to get you back on the, uh, on the podcast here soon. And, uh, have a good spring. 
look forward to seeing what you're doing in the Turkey woods. Always looking forward to seeing what you got going on in your, uh, in the East meets West world. I'm super stoked for you, man. The, the fact that you've been able to transition into this being, being what you do. Um, I'm always happy when my buddies are finding success and, uh, making the life they want, man. So happy for you and proud of you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you've been a big help with that. And I've always just bounced questions off you and we've helped each other throughout the years yep. and all this thing. So I, I do really appreciate that. And on that front, why don't you tell everybody where they can, you know, find your podcast and all the BS that you're spitting out there. Right. Yeah. It's the uh, truth <laughs> in the stand podcast. Lots of BS, um, truth in the stand deer hunting podcast, all the places you can find podcasts, Spotify, you know, at, or iTunes, Apple, all those good places. YouTube has some videos there. Just did a recent bow review video, uh, at my buddy's archery shop. We took a look at a bunch of flagship, uh, flagship bows and shot those. Um, and we don't have an affiliation with one or I don't personally have one affiliation with any of them. So we just kind of took a look at them and give you our thoughts about what we uh, thought of each of those. And, uh, yeah, you can check that out. And, uh, otherwise Instagram and, uh, Facebook hit me up always down to chat. Yeah. And good articles on the website too. Truth from the stand. Yeah. Aaron Hepler been doing a great job yeah. writing some articles for me. Cause I, I write like a moron. He, he, he makes words. He's good. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed those articles. So yeah. Um, yeah, check all that stuff out and uh, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East meets West hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit East meets West hunt.com Facebook at East meets West outdoors and Instagram at East meets West hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time.